we're going to look at a few scriptures, and uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 14, just for a few moments, Matthew chapter 14, it's a familiar passage of scripture, but I think this scripture holds great amount of truth to it, and uh, Matthew chapter 14, and uh, we're going to look at just a few verses here, Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse number 22, Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse number 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples to get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when the evening came, he was alone there. Now the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the winds, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he answered and said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. Tonight, just for a few moments, I just want to preach on the thought, it's time to get out of the boat. Everybody say, it's time to get out of the boat. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you've been in that boat too long, get out of the boat. You've been in the boat too long, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Amen. I mean, look to your other neighbor, say, get out of the boat, get out of the boat, get out of the boat. All right. Lord, bless the word. As we preach tonight, as I preach and minister the word, open our heart and everyone said a great big amen. This story I'm sure that you've heard this story multiple times. And one of the things I've discovered as a preacher is that you can never exhaust the Word of God. You can never exhaust it. And no matter what Scriptures you have heard over and over throughout the years, there is always something new to be found. Now, there's nothing new under the sun, but I promise you as you read the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit has a way of illuminating the Word of God to you, and you see things that you've never seen before. And so tonight, as we look at this narrative, as we look at this story, there's a few things in this story that I believe that we can pull out and that you can use it in your everyday life. I believe that the Word of God is for practical living. It's for doctrine. It's for reproof. But also the Bible is used for practical living. You should put the Bible to work. Amen? It works if you work it. Somebody shout and say, it works if you work it. It works if you work it. Now, if you don't work it, it ain't going to work. But you've got to put the Bible to use. You've got to use the Bible. You've got to use it in your everyday life. It's for doctrine. It's for correction. But it's also for everyday living. And so tonight, we're going to look at this narrative that you've heard before and just pull out some things that you can apply to your life every day of your life that you can use. And hopefully, this can be encouragement to you as, as you listen to the Word of God tonight. One of the things that I see in this story is that Jesus is walking on the water. Now, at first glance, that's nothing to you because, of course, Jesus is God. And God can walk on the water. Of course, Jesus should walk on the water. 
And yet, I agree with you, but you need to understand 2,000 years ago, the disciples here, I don't think have a full revelation of who Jesus really was. They knew that He was the Son of God, but what does it mean to be the Son of God? Does that mean He's 100% God and is He equal to the Father? Those details, I'm not sure if they understood all those details. They understood He was divine. They understood that He was special. They understood He came from God. They understood that. But you find here Jesus walking on the water, and not only walking on the water, but get this, He is walking in the middle of the sea, and the Bible says the wind was contrary, the wind was boisterous. Now can you imagine being in a little boat, a Galilean boat, with 12 people in a boat, the 12 disciples are in a boat, and you're in the middle of the sea, and the sea is contrary, it's boisterous, the wind is blowing, you're in the middle of the sea, I suppose it's nighttime, you can't see, all right, so you can't see in front of you, the boat is rocking back and forth, and it's a little Galilean boat, it's not a cruise ship, all right? And then you have 12 scaredy cats in the boat with you. Come on, somebody. I mean, they're all freaking out in the boat. It's one thing to be in a situation where you're freaking out, but it's another situation to be in a situation where everybody's freaking out. And all these people, these disciples are in the boat. They're, you know they're freaking out. Peter's freaking out. They're all freaking out. The wind is blowing. They're in this small boat. And all of a sudden, they see somebody who they thought was a ghost walking on the water. As I looked at the Scripture, the Holy Spirit revealed something to me. Jesus is walking on the water. Okay? But look at it again. Jesus is walking on the very thing that was rocking their boat. Jesus is walking on the very thing that is rocking their boat. Jesus is walking on the very thing that was rocking their boat. In other words, He was walking on the very substance that was rocking their boat. The very thing that was rocking their life, Jesus was walking on top of it. And ladies and gentlemen, that's encouraging because some of us is in the boat of life and sometimes Life is like a merry-go-round. You go up and you go down and sometimes you go round and round. Sometimes you're in the boat of life and the boat of life is rocking back and forth. But this story tells us tonight with great encouragement that Jesus has the ability to walk on the very thing that's rocking your life. Well, that deserved an amen from someone. I said, Jesus is walking on the very thing that is rocking your life. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I have everything under control, even when it looks like it's out of control, I got it under control. When it looks like things are out of control, when it looks like things are rocking back and forth, I'm walking on top of it. I have it under control when it appears like it's been out of control. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, Pastor, I've been in situations where it seems like my life was rocking back and forth and things were out of control, but we serve a master according to this narrative that walks on the very thing that is rocking your life. He has everything under control. Amen. I'm so glad God has everything under control because there's times 
I don't have everything under control. There are some times I can't even bring my own life together. And I'm glad that Jesus in this narrative shows us that he has everything under control. And we've got to trust him when we can't trace him. We've got to trust him. The Bible says in verse number 26 of the same chapter here, verse 26, look at it. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 26, look at it. Verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Look at verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now I'm trying not to get excited here, but I see something that maybe, maybe we've overlooked before. Look at it again. The Bible says in verse 26, the disciples saw him. Everybody shout, they saw him. Who did they see? They saw Jesus. And they thought it was a what? Right? They thought he was a ghost. And they were very fearful. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, I have over, uh, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. You see, I think it's important for us to see something. Is that sometimes in life, and you see this in the narrative, that sometimes in life you've got to learn to trust His voice when you cannot trust what you see. Because what they saw, they saw what they thought was a ghost. Verse 26. But verse 27, Jesus said to them, it is I, be not afraid. In other words, they couldn't trust what they saw because what they saw was a ghost. They had to trust Jesus. They had to hear Jesus. And Jesus said, it is I, be not afraid. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that sometimes you cannot trust what you see. You've got to trust what you hear. You can't trust everything you see. If you see it, if you look at it, it's going to deceive you. It's going to look scary. It's going to look troublesome. It's going to look, it's going to look impossible to climb over. It's going to look like an impossible task. Sometimes your eyes will play tricks on you and you will see a ghost. When Jesus is saying you don't need to worry about what you see, you've got to train your ears to hear me in the middle of the storm because you can't trust what you see. I'm going to let you know you've got to trust what you hear. You can't trust what you see. You look at your family and they're all crazy. You look at your kids and they're crazy too. Come on, somebody. Even your little pet dog, it's crazy. Everybody's crazy. If you begin to look at things and look at situations, you'll go crazy too. But I encourage you tonight that you don't have to worry about what you see. Train your ears to hear Jesus in the storm because Jesus has the ability to speak to you in the middle of the storm even when you see a ghost. He has the ability to speak to you. You have to learn to trust Him with your ears even though your eyes see something different. You have to learn to trust His voice when you can't trust your vision. You'll learn to trust His voice when you can't trust your vision. It's interesting to me in verse number 27, the Bible says that, uh, verse number 27, but Jesus immediately spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him. Now, that is so perplexing to me because here are they, in the, they're in the middle of the storm, the wind is contrary. 
It's boisterous. Twelve of them is freaking out in a Galilean boat. Jesus is in the middle of the sea. They thought he was a ghost. And all of a sudden, the Bible says in verse 28, and Peter answered him. How did Peter hear the voice of Jesus in the middle of the sea when the wind was blowing? How do you have the ability to hear when the wind is blowing so hard, the boat is rocking, and they're looking in the distance, and he could hear Jesus in the storm? Because I think that the principle is clear, that when you're going through a storm, the Holy Spirit has the ability to give you a spiritual ear that you can hear in the storm while everybody else is freaking out in the boat. The Lord has given you spiritual ears so that you can hear Him correctly and effectively in the middle of the storm. God wants to speak to you in the storm. He wants you to hear in the storm. You have the ability to discern God's voice in the middle of the storm. I think some of the times I've heard from God is the times I've been going through a hard time. That's when I heard God more clearly than ever. Because God has the ability to put us in a position where we can discern His voice in the middle of the storm. You see, we want to criticize Peter. We want to criticize Peter and say, well, Peter got out of the boat and he started walking and he, he, he started sinking. And you've heard sermons about it. The moment you look at the winds and the waves, you look at your troubles, you'll begin to sink. Blah, 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 blah. We've heard it before. But what I want you to see here is that let's give Peter some credit. Because there's two different types of people in the church. There's water walkers and there's boat talkers. There's people who stay in the boat and talk, and then there are people who will get out of the water and begin to walk. Is there any water walkers tonight? Come on, you all was excited this morning. You all act like you're on a respirator. I said, is there any water walkers tonight? Can somebody throw your head back and shout amen? Is there any water walkers tonight? You say, Pastor, listen, I'm a participatory preacher. Every once in a while, I want to nod. It's not because I'm insecure. It's just because I want to see that you're listening. Everybody shake your head. There's boat talkers and there's water walkers. Peter got out of the boat, began to walk, but the other ones sat in the boat. Thank God for Peter. I'd rather get out of the boat and fell than to stay in the boat and do nothing at all. Can I hear an amen? Is there anybody in the building say, Pastor, I don't mind getting out of the boat? Even if it doesn't work, even if it fails, I want to have enough faith to take a risk and get out and follow what I hear instead of what I see. I'm going to walk with him. So Peter gets up. He has tenacity. He gets up and he begins to walk on the water. Why does he walk on the water? Because he trusted his voice instead of trusting what he saw. It looked like a ghost, but he heard his voice. It looks perplexing. It, it looks, looks scary. It, I'm not sure what I see, but i got to trust that I heard His voice. So He gets out of the water. He begins to walk. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, It is I. Be not afraid. Now, 
the salutation here doesn't really match the situation. I mean, Jesus is saying, it's I, be not afraid. I mean, are you serious? Is that all you've got to say? I mean, we're in the middle of the boat, the boat's getting ready to sink, and you're like, ha ha, be a good cheer. You know, that's not, how many's ever met somebody that looks like they're happy all the time and your life is falling apart and they just want to come along and read scripture to you? And you know what they're saying is true, but you want to what? Slap them, don't you? If somebody comes to me one more time and tells me all things work together for the good, for those who love God are caught according to the fire, I'm going to scream. Have you ever been there before? Come on, is there anybody that's ever been there before? You get frustrated. And here Jesus is, all smiles, walking on the water, be of good cheer. The salutation don't really match the situation. Be of good cheer, my boat's getting ready to sink. Be of good cheer, Jesus. Dude, we're getting ready to sink. But it's in those situations that you've got to trust His voice instead of what you see. Oh, don't deny reality. It's there. But lean on what you hear from the Holy Spirit in the middle of the storm. I'd rather stand on the sea with the Savior than to sit on the ship that looks like it's going to sink. Peter gets up. He begins to walk. Jesus said, it is I. Be not afraid. Be of good cheer. You know what Jesus is saying to Peter? As long, Peter is thinking, as long as Jesus is with me, I can handle whatever's around me. If Jesus is bidding me to come, as long as Jesus is with me, then I can handle whatever is getting ready to happen. And you know what? This is what true faith is. Peter said, and I never saw this before, but Peter said this. Peter said, you know, verse 26, it's a ghost. They cried out for fear. Immediately Jesus said, be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. Peter answered and said, Lord, get this, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. Now stop. Modern day Christianity would have done this. We're freaking out in the boat. The boat's rocking. The winds is waving. I mean, you're freaking out. You hear the voice of Jesus. You get up out of the water and you just start walking. That's, that's what we teach. Just do it by faith. Get out and start walking. But that's not what the Bible says. Peter got clearance before crossing. He asked permission to walk before he started to walk. Even though he discerned the voice of God in the storm, he still asked the Lord, is this what you want me to do? Bid me to come on the water. And if you bid me to come on the water, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. I was obedient to your voice. He got clearance before crossing. And that's what faith is. Faith is not blind faith where you jump out and do whatever you want to do because you just feel like you need to do it. But true faith is saying this, I've heard your voice, but Lord, tell me specifically if you want me to do this, and if you want me to do it, it doesn't matter what I see, I will do it by faith because you had bid me to do it, and I will be your voice in the middle of the storm. 
That's what faith is. Faith is not saying, well, I'll just do it because I think it's a good idea and everybody else is doing it, and so since it's not against Scripture, I'm just going to do it. He got clearance before crossing. He got permission to get on the water. Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. And you know what Jesus said? Verse number 29, he says, well, come. Come. Peter gets out of the water. Gets down out of the boat. That takes faith right there. It's one thing to walk on the water. That's, that, that takes a lot of faith. It's another thing is to make the initial move. To put your foot over the boat and make the first step. Bid me to come, Lord. Come, Peter. Taking the initial step, putting your leg over the boat, putting your foot on the water, that right there deserves some credit for Peter. Why did he do it? Because he asked clearance before crossing. He asked permission before he walked on the water. Modern day Christianity, we just want to go ahead and do it because Jesus is in the water. So if Jesus is in the water, it's all going to be all right. And then when it doesn't work, we want to blame everybody that it didn't work. But if you heard the voice of God, and if He bid you to come, then you let the outcome be up to the Lord. You be obedient to the voice of God. So He gets out, He begins to walk on the water. And it's interesting to me, that Peter walked on the water because of one word. Come. It wasn't a paragraph. It wasn't a book he read. Just one word. One word was sufficient to cause Peter to take the first step on the water. One word sometimes is all we need is to take the first step. One word is all we need is to take the first step. And Peter took the first step because of the one word. It's interesting to me that Peter didn't turn around after the Lord bid him to come, after the Lord told him to come. Peter never one time turned around to the other 11 on the boat and said, should I come? Should I go to the Lord? What do you think about it? Let's take a vote. That never happened. Peter was confident that he heard the voice of God. And when you are confident that you have heard the voice of God, you don't have a problem leaving the naysayers in the boat and taking the step of faith and walking on the water even though the winds are boisterous and contrary because the voice of God brings confidence in the middle of the storm. Gets, begins to walk on the water. The Bible says it. He's in the walking on the water, and all of a sudden, Peter becomes afraid. Verse number 30, he saw the wind was boisterous. He was afraid. He beginning to sink, saying, Lord, save me. Sometimes when you walk on faith, that doesn't mean you're going to be exempt from fear. Sometimes we think that we're exempt from fear. If we're walking on faith, listen, I've made decisions where my knees felt like they were so weak I was going to crumble because I was so afraid. But I knew I heard the voice of God. I knew I'm following the Lord even though I was fearful, even though I was shaken. 
Even though my, my natural body was fearful, but my spirit man had heard the voice of God. Peter heard the voice of God. He heard the words of Jesus in the storm. That's what caused Peter to get out of the boat and take the first step. But sometimes if we're not careful, fear will get the best of us. Fear will cause you to sink. And Peter began to sink. And what does he do? He begins to cry out to the Lord. He cries out to the Lord. It's interesting to me that Peter began to sink, but Peter did not drown. And there's a difference. He began to sink. He didn't drown. The Lord saved him before he drowned. That's encouraging. Because when I take a step of faith, and I do what the Lord wants me to do, sometimes I have moments in my life that I begin to sink. But I am so grateful and thankful that His mercy and His grace picked me up and I never drowned in my fear. I never drowned in my doubt. I never drowned in my anxiety. It was His grace that caught me before I drowned. And I hear an amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful tonight that you never drown tonight? How many is thankful that even though I begin to sink at times in my life, I can testify He was always there to get me before I drowned. Hallelujah. He never drowned, but He began to sink. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been there before. Have you ever been there? You felt depression coming on. You felt like you was beginning to sink. You was overwhelmed by the pressures of life and you felt yourself sinking. Your insecurities got the best of you and you felt like you were sinking in life. Oh, but I'm thankful and grateful that He is only a prayer away and when we call out to Him, His grace and His mercy picks us up out of the troubled waters of life and saves us from drowning. Amen. I said saves us from drowning. I'm thankful for that. He said, Lord, save me. And the Lord saved him. He never asked the leaven in the boat to save him. Why didn't they save him? Why didn't they throw a life jacket out? Because you've got boat talkers. You've got water walkers. You, you think they're going to get out of the boat and save old Mr. Peter? Absolutely not. There are some times in life, there's a whole lot of talkers. But when you get out in the middle of the sea of life, Sometimes you can't depend on someone or a group of people. Sometimes it's the test of life. Where is your faith? Is your faith in people or is your faith in God? Peter's faith was rooted in his conviction of hearing the voice of God. And he was saved that day. The Bible says, in closing, the Bible says, they got back, he got back in the boat. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and said, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. The wind ceased. And the Bible says that those in the boat came and worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Of course, the boat talkers are going to worship. Of course, because they sat in the boat and watched it all happen. It's easy to worship God when we see what God's been doing. 
It's easy to worship God when we look around and see, oh, God's doing this, and God saved Peter from the water. Oh, God, God, yes, he deserves our worship. But it's another thing to be the one in the water that testifies you stayed in the boat, but I was in the water, and I know he never let me drown. He just doesn't deserve my worship. He deserves my life. Oh, they worshipped him. Of course, anybody will worship him. But it takes a disciple to be committed to Jesus, to his words, even though what's in front of you is perilous. It's not just about worship. Worship should be your life. It's not about a moment of worship. It's about a lifetime of commitment. Modern day Christianity is somewhat fickle. We think that somebody is great because they went on a few trips here and there and they fed the poor here and there, went on a missions trip, and those are all good and fine. And we should do those. But the greatest testimony is this. Can I live a life that is committed to Christ without backsliding? Without giving up? Without throwing in the towel? Can I live a committed Christian life that is consistent? That's the greater testimony. Jesus said your Father is glorified when you bear fruit. Can we live a life that is a disciple? Somebody that's obedient to His voice in the middle of the storm while everybody else stays in the boat. Do you have enough faith to be committed to Him, to hear His voice and do what He wants you to do in the middle of the sea while everybody else forsakes you? Uh, Peter messed up, you know, he denied the Lord and had a mouth problem. But I was taught that song in Sunday school. He's still working on me. I'm not what I ought to be. You know what God was doing in Peter's life? Peter was not going through it. Peter was growing through it. Peter learned something at the sea. He learned something in the boat. He was teachable and pliable. God was molding Peter, making Peter, developing Peter, shaping Peter. Even though he had a mouth problem, even though he denied the Lord, the Lord was still molding him, making him, and shaping him. Until eventually you see in Acts chapter 2, that one of the greatest stories ever, sermons ever preached came from Peter. Because Peter understood, hey, I'm going to mess up. I'm going I'm to sink. I'm going to deny him. I'm not going to be the person I need to be all the time. But I'm crazy enough to keep following him. I'm crazy enough to keep pursuing after him. I'm crazy enough to keep running after him. Because the Bible says that David had a heart after God. It didn't say David had a heart for God.
And you know there's times in your life you don't have a heart for God. You messed up. It's not where it needs to be. But you do have a heart after God. That means that whatever struggle I'm in, whatever test I may be in, whatever adversity I may be in, my heart is after Him. I struggle, I make mistakes, I mess up, but my heart is in the right direction. I'm going to pursue Him no matter what. And Peter had that heart. He had a heart that was always after God. Pursuing after Him. Ladies and gentlemen, Sometimes the greatest testimony that we could ever have is being consistent in the middle of the storm. And that's what Peter demonstrates to us. What do we learn from this story tonight? Well, quickly, we learn that number one, Jesus walks on the very thing, the very substance that rocks our life. Jesus walks on it to tell us He has everything under control when it looks like it's out of control. This story tells us tonight that sometimes you've got to trust what you hear instead of trusting what you see. This teaches us tonight that you have the ability to discern God's voice in the middle of the storm. This story teaches us tonight that faith requires us to get permission to, to get clearance before we cross over. That faith is not blind faith. Faith is getting permission to do it. It teaches us that there's boat talkers and there's water walkers. It teaches us that help is only a prayer away. It teaches us that Sometimes we begin to sink, but we don't drown. And it teaches us tonight that we got to learn how to grow through things instead of going through things. Because in the going, He molds us, makes us, shapes us, and develops us into the person that we're called to be, just like He did Peter. Peter messed up multiple times. He grew through it all. And you see how God mightily used him in Acts chapter 2. I got to grow through it. Instead of just going through it, I'm going to grow through it. My mindset is growth. I'm growing through it. And you know, that takes a lot of pressure off of your life. There's two different types of mindsets. A fixed mindset or a growth mindset. A fixed mindset says, i got to see I'm a failure. A growth mindset says, I'm not a failure. I'll do better next time. A fixed mindset says, I preached a horrible sermon. I'm not a good preacher. A growth mindset says, well, it may not be my best, but there's always next Sunday and I'm going to try better. A, growth mi a fixed mindset says, boy, it's not working. Not, it's, not, it's not happening. But a growth mindset says, well, we'll try something else. Takes a lot of pressure. Peter, you messed up, dude. Peter had a growth mindset. 
I'll try better next time. I know I, I, know I, I didn't really do it right at the sea. I know I began to sink. I should have just remained confident, but I, I didn't, really, didn't really make it. I'll try better the next time. I'll be more consistent the next time. When the opportunity is given to me, I'll do better. Amen. And that's what I pray for this church tonight. I pray that you have a growth mindset in life. That you don't have a fixed mindset. You have a growth mindset. You learn how to grow through things instead of going through things. Don't be so busy in life that you forget about to work on your life. Learn how to grow through life so that God can mold you, make you, shape you, and be the best, be the best Christian you know to be. Somebody asked me one time in closing, they said, Pastor, why, did you, why do you go to school so much? And is it because you want to go and do something else? I said, no, I don't want to go do something else. I want to be the best pastor I can be. The growth mindset. I want to learn. Grow. Pastor Ingle is here. Many years of school. It's not because we want to flaunt our education. Many of you have many degrees. It's not that we want to do that. We want to grow and expand our mind. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Totally devoted to Christ. Amen? I said amen. Y'all agree with me, right? As Pentecostals, sometimes we think we need to take our minds off and set them at the front door. Because all God is concerned about is my heart. God knows my heart. He gave you a brain... Well, I shouldn't have used all those credit cards, but God knows my heart. He gave you a brain. Can somebody just help me preach?